You're listening to The Confidence Podcast, your one-stop shop for motivation, inspiration, and confidence to help you boldly and bravely take action on your dreams. I'm your host, Trish Blackwell, and I teach entrepreneurs and dream chasers to take action on the dream God put on their hearts. I empower go-getters to get past their stubborn insecurities so they can crush their goals, outgrow their fears, and create prosperity in their businesses and lives. It's time to rise and shine. Let's dive deep. Let's dive deep indeed. I am Trish, your host of the Confidence Podcast. Welcome to the show. Maybe you're just listening for your first time. I want you to know I love you. I, I, I don't even have to know you. I know I love you. And I hope to get to know you as you continue to come back for contagious encouragement, more, more resources to grow your confidence and courage to pursue the calling that God has put on your heart. We are in episode number 286. We're talking today about why emotional eating happens and how to stop it. So if you have ever struggled with your relationship with food or with binge eating, disordered eating, emotional eating, stress eating, or just worried about eating, this is definitely a show for you. Specifically in this show, we're talking today about what emotional eating is, what's the difference between emotional eating and binge eating, why it happens, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my personal story with it. We're going to talk about how to step out of shame and into strength with your eating habits, and then I'm going to share with you three next steps to help you be free from the unpredictable tyranny of food. So I'm pretty excited. I've got an awesome, super special announcement I'm going to give to you at the end of the show today. So you, if you have struggled with emotional eating in any capacity in your life, you'll want to stay posted for that. And just a brief, quick announcement, you guys, my mom boss mastermind is now up and accepting applications. This is a mastermind for mompreneurs who want to take 2019 to the next level. We won't be starting until January, but applications are due in October. I am picking eight people who are serious about doubling their income and doubling their free time so that they can be a better mom and entrepreneur in 2019. So if that sings your language, go to trishblackwell.com forward slash mastermind, enter your email, and I will send you over the application questions, and we can talk about whether or not you are a good fit. And just briefly, as always, this podcast is brought to you by my partnership with Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a company committed to getting the safest products into the hands of everyone. We are a company that does good and is for good. I'm obsessed with the company. It's the only company that I will trust as far as ingredients for personal care products for myself and my family. And I would love for you, if you're really looking at taking your health to the next level, I would love for you to take a look at the beautiful products that we have at Beauty Counter. Go to trishblackwell.com forward slash beauty counter. Now let's talk about, let's talk about emotional eating. I want to start, I want to start, well, let me start by defining the difference between binge eating and emotional eating, because I think, I don't think there's, it's necessary that we need to distinguish the two. I just want to talk about eating in a way today that really, that talks about the the behavior and our relationship with food. Um, I know from from my own personal story and that of the hundreds of clients that I've worked with over the last decade and a half, really about and around food, that when your when your relationship with food is well, not f- flourishing and not healthy and not growing that it can really rob you of confidence in other areas of your life. And so for me, my story is that um, I started binge eating 
in high school and really was a result of an extremely restrictive diet. And I was frustrated. I was a, a highly competitive swimmer and had Olympic aspirations. And I went through puberty at 12. And I felt like my body was the only body that was changing. And of course, as a swimmer, by the way, um, as your body as a woman starts to change, you are less hydrodynamic, which slows you down. And so here I was rising up in these these the ranks of competition, and then my body changed, and I felt like my body betrayed me. I was so angry. It, it, it really rocked my understanding and my relationship of the body in which I live. And, and so in an effort to be more competitive and to get myself back as fast as I, as I used to be or as thought as I should be and to stay on pace on track for my goals, I started getting obsessed with my food and, my, and starting restrict food and almost developed orthorexia just in general, like a general obsession about eating healthy. But with that restriction came the opposite end of the pendulum, right? But that was I was so focused on being a perfect student, being a, being a perfect athlete, being a perfect eater, being a perfect daughter, being a perfect friend, and this, this control in every area of my life in an effort to be the best, I would break and I would have these moments. And I was at, um, you, maybe you may or may not know, but I was at a boarding school. And so I had a lot of time to, to make my own food choices. And so it was, I, I discovered binge eating and emotional eating as a, as a mechanism for coping, as a comfort. And, and it, and it, I, it carried with it intense, deep shame. At the same time that I was binge eating, I realized, okay, what am I going to do with this? I then developed um, compulsive exercise addiction and and experimented with bulimia and, and anorexia, laxative abuse. I mean, sort of the, I ran the gamut of eating disorders at this point in order to offset my binge eating. Now, interestingly, interestingly enough, as an athlete, and as a highly competitive athlete, I was able to disguise my a lot of my compulsions and my addictions with exercise in my body by just making it look like I was just really committed to my sport, right? When I would be on, make sure I was on Dean's list so that I could work out, I had access and had freedom during study hall at night to not stay in my room, I would get my homework done really quickly, and then I would go to the gym to do an extra workout. And rather than people be alarmed because I had already done two hours of swimming, um, one hour of cross training, an hour of soccer, and another hour hours swimming that day they went wow and she's working out again she's so committed it was this that it was I got the I got applause for it I people thought I was so committed what they didn't know is how many little Debbie cakes I was shoving in my mouth at night that I was carrying this hundred pound burden of guilt and shame with me and I I, I felt this silencing shame and self-hatred as a result of my binges I thought oh my gosh everybody thinks I'm this way but if people knew this deep dark secret they would be disgusted. They would be mortified. I was, I had convinced myself that if people really knew what was happening, they would never speak to me again. I, I had, I, I, and, that, and that's what shame does. When we carry shame, we go and we sideline ourselves. We sideline our right to be loved. We, we convince ourselves that we're unworthy of anything. And so for me, certain, certain seasons of my relationship with food could be classified as binging. Certain, honestly though, Certain times they were certain seasons in my life, I would almost classify it as emotional eating. And the difference between, you know, I promised you this definition between binge eating and emotional eating. Binge eating itself is the consumption of large quantities of food in a short period of time. 
So the consumption of large quantities of food in a short period of time. Whereas emotional eating is using food to make yourself feel better. So emotional eating is also eating to satisfy emotional needs instead of to satisfy hunger. Now often I, I would I would vacillate between those types of eating, binge eating and emotional eating and then restrictive eating. And then sometimes it'd be binge eating and emotional eating at the same time. Sometimes it was one or the other. Um, but I had different seasons and b- b- both those, both seasons carried different, different and a deep type of shame and isolation. And really what that did was it drove me into a place of fear. And those patterns made me feel unworthy and they made me feel ugly inside and out. It wasn't just that I felt ugly physically, but I was ashamed of who I was and my behavior, not understanding that the behavior I was engaging in was was a sickness was an addiction was a behavior that it was a a coping mechanism actually i i was i was so attached to this shame that i wasn't able to separate myself and really believe that there was freedom and um I, you know if you've read my book my first book i wrote was is is really tells tells the story of how i came to finding freedom from my binge eating my emotional eating my eating disorder my bulimia and that is in my my first book which is called the skinny sexy mind the ultimate french secret I, and so I, i'm not going to bore you with the details now but check that book out it's on my website or it's on at amazon but really if you want to if i really put it in a couple sentences i found freedom from this vacillating up and down really toxic relationship with food and with my body from therapy prayer and the final decision to take a chance on creating new patterns i realized that my fears my real fears were what i was trying to avoid i was creating a, a, an alternate thing to be a, to to spend my emotional energy on i was i was creating a habit as a coping mechanism so that i didn't have to face what i really was feeling of course, I didn't have the maturity or the know-how to look at it at that point. And I kept blaming myself and, have, and developing this deep sense of self-hatred and self-disappointment that I wasn't that I, I wouldn't, wasn't disciplined enough. How could I not? I could do anything. I was so good at so many things. And I kept like I f- kept failing myself with food. And then that would be I, I'd be even more devastated and, and, and develop even kind of a deeper sense of self-disappointment which then perpetuated that cycle of emotional eating because I needed to comfort myself in some capacity and because I thought that this was an issue of discipline and willpower I would just I was so judgmental and hard on myself so I set these standards where self-care went out the window because I didn't deserve self-care I thought I was worthless and so of course my self-care and my self-nourishment declined which then now as a as a coach and now looking obviously 2020 gives you great hinds uh you know wisdom in your hindsight but I, I would look at that those behaviors and now I could see that it was perpetuated that by my 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 lack of self-nourishment so I I created a cycle where I would restrict and then and then binge and that would cre- create self-hatred and then I would try to restrict to compensate and, and punish myself and prove to myself that I was disciplined. But then at that point, I wasn't giving myself any opportunity to find nourishment or self-care or self-kindness or, or, or recharge anywhere else. And so I would go as long as I can until I broke and then I would start the cycle again. And, and, I, and, and in this time, you guys, this wasn't just like a couple months of my life. This was years of my life, all behind, all behind this uh, this this facade of secrecy that no one knew on the outside this was through high school and college I had my stuff together you guys I was president of the student body president of 
the honor council president of every club or or captain of any sport that I was on. I was full scholarship division one athlete, great grades. I mean, I, I had boyfriends, like I had friends. I, 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 no one would have known, right, that I was carrying this deep, just like, I, I felt like my whole life was a lie because this was so consuming in my mind. And um, I, I, I gave, when I finally gave myself permission to be seen, not for how I performed, but for who I was, that gave me permission to start to learn, wait, who, who am I? Because this emotional eating convinced me that I wasn't worth a voice. And that's a lie. So it's, so emotional eating isn't about the five or 10 pounds of, of weight that you might be carrying. That's a little bit extra. It's not about the fact that you don't have the discipline to, to stop eating when you're full, right? Just be mindful and intuitive about it. Like it would drive me crazy. I tried every type of intuitive eating and every type of diet to try to control myself into thinking differently, but it wasn't about control, right? It was about understanding that there was something else that I was avoiding. And so I, for me, one of the most important steps in finding freedom from emotional eating or binge eating was knowing that I didn't need to be bound by shame. I remember reading one of my first Janine Roth books. And if, but if you don't yet know about Janine Roth and you've ever struggled with food in any capacity, please stop what you're doing. I mean, I love this show. I think you should always listen to my show. But I want you to like stop and go shop on Amazon and order at least two of her books because they changed my life. They were the first time, they were the first books that I, I remember reading and going, I'm not a freak. Like I, I it was, a, she talks about food and the, your relationship with food and the way a, a emotional eating ha- habit starts and the cycle of it all in a way that you go, oh my gosh, somebody, somebody gets me. Right. And, and I, I, I just am so grateful for who she is and how she writes and the way she has changed my life that if I just could direct you to her, then you've gotten enough takeaway from today's show as is that like, that's your biggest takeaway. Go buy a book from Janine Roth. Okay. Um, but for me, it was when I, I realized that when I realized I wasn't alone in this, I, then I was able to separate myself from shame and that my eating habits weren't embarrassing or quote unquote bad. I was able to remove that label. And now that, that, that forced me to have to learn to rework my entire approach and view of food and view of my body. But again, that's where, and I, I would love to go into more detail, but that's, that's for another day. That's for a whole book, which it is in the skinny, sexy mind. But for me, the step was, I'm not alone in this. And I want you to know that you are not alone. Emotional eating is estimated to, to impact over, well, I, binge eating itself is estimated to, to, to impact 5 million women and 3 million men per year. That's binging. So let's just say and an, an eating disorder itself, there are 30 million Americans per year that struggle with an eating disorder. Um, and, and so if it, this, the, the extreme is the, of, of, um, of disordered eating habits with a binge, it's going to be 8 million people. Think about how many people are impacted by emotional eating. And I say that not to go, there's, there's no point. I say that to say, one, we need help as a nation, but also that we, we should be encouraged to say, I'm not as weird as I've convinced myself. I'm not, I don't need to be as embarrassed or there's not this, this invisible illness to the uh, disordered relationship with food doesn't have to bring you shame anymore. We stay in place, when we stay in places of shame, 
we stay in weakness. When you step out into the light, you step into strength. And I hope, friend, today that you know you can step into strength, that you are not alone, that I'm, you know, I went through the struggle and I had so much shame. I mean, I was mortified. If anybody could ever find out what I was struggling with, I would, I, I thought I would crawl up in a ball and cry, right? And as I went through therapy and as I, I God brought me healing and I, I've, I've worked through this over years and years of work, I could not be more eager and enthusiastic to share my story with total transparency to encourage you to let you know that I get it. And if I can find freedom, you can too. If God can heal me, he can heal you too. I believe in miracles and I believe that what happened in my life was a miracle and I I'm so thankful for that. And if any way my truth telling about my story, about my struggle could encourage you to speak up and seek change for yourself. But more than that, to, again, I, rem- I still remember the moment I was reading Janine Roth's book, sitting in my bed and I read a couple of lines and I, I closed the book and I went, it's not just me. Okay, if it's not just me, someone else has walked this path. That means someone else gets it. That means I'm not, I'm, I don't have to have the shame. I don't have to, it was like this, this, thousand pound burden just got of shame got removed from me and that is when I was able to start walking and 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 growing towards change and freedom and joy and lightness so you know there it really is an invisible illness it's a secret shame a disordered um, relationship with food but you guys it's not a bad thing I I also got to a point in my life and I'm at a point where I'm so thankful for my disordered eating I'm so thankful for my my addiction to these past behaviors to my addiction to perfectionism these these things that were, ended up being very toxic for me I'm thankful for because they have transformed my life because they broke me they broke me but from brokenness comes beauty and for me, these things, they're, and, and every now and then, you know, there, there, there are past triggers that will tr- creep into my life at moments, maybe I'm not managing my time well, or stress is, is, is kind of piling on top of each other. And, and what these things do, what they do is I see a little habit or I feel an emotion and it's, it's not shameful. It's not, oh, that's bad. I shouldn't do that. It's, hey, body, thank you for that red flag. My mind is telling me something. My, it's a little red flag waving to say something's not right here. And so as you're, if this relates to you and if you've ever struggled with emotional eating in any capacity, please stop beating yourself up. That is not serving you. I beat myself up for 10 years thinking I could bully myself into change. I could bully and discipline myself into being more strict to have better willpower and just be better. Like just figure it out, Trish, be better about this because it doesn't work. You can hold that. You can, it's like holding your breath. You, you can only hold your breath for so long. Because it's not about your discipline. It's not about you being good or bad with food. This is a, it's a warning sign. It's a red flag. It's a, it's a, hey, it's a mess. It's a, it's something you can actually, rather than be angry at yourself about or have shame about, I don't want to celebrate that in your life. And, and when we can, when we can take something that, and, and, and come at it from a place of gratitude, that is where we grow. And so I, I want to challenge you to say, this is actually a good thing. It, it, it's a red flag that change needs to happen. That there's something deeper that you want to address in your life. There's something maybe you're running from, or you're afraid to face, or that you need to work through, or there's a, there's a change that needs to be made. Um, you know, I got some information from the National Eating Disorders Association, 
And um, the, the really the warning signs in yourself or a loved one for binge eating disorder. A binge eating disorder, you guys, is a psychological disorder and getting a treat, uh, appropriate treatment is key to recovering. And I did mention in my story, hope you did hear that loud and clear. I sought therapy, I sought recovery, and it was a significant part of my healing process. Um, but here are some of the warning signs I wanted to give. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm an emotional eater or a binge eater, I wanted to serve this, with, serve you with some information. So, um, and by the way, I'm always here to reach out to. If, if this resonates with you and you're not sure, shoot me an email, trish at trishblockwell.com. I'd help you. I'd love to help you not feel so alone. I'd love to remind you that you've got power and you're, that you are in a great place to recognize that you have freedom and joy ahead of you. And and forgiveness. I had to forgive myself, you guys. That was a hard part of this process of forgiving myself. One, for being such a bully to myself, but also for the behaviors. It was a kind of a dual. It's very interesting approach to this relationship with food and your relationship with yourself. But here are some of the, here are some of the distinguishing factors of binge eating disorder as a actual disorder. Feeling guilty, disgusted, or depressed after eating or overeating. So I'm going to read these twice. Feeling guilty, disgusted, or depressed after eating or overeating. Desperation to control weight and eating habits. Feeling stress or tension that is only relieved by eating. Again, oh, I promised to read them twice. Here I'm reading once. So desperation to control weight and eating habits. Feeling stress or tension that is only relieved by eating. Hiding or stockpiling food to eat in secret later. Hiding or stockpiling food to eat in secret later. An inability to stop eating or to control what you're eating. So an inability to stop eating or control what you're eating. Feeling numb while binging, like you're not really there or you're on autopilot. Um, for me, I, I would describe this as I always felt like I was watching myself, like it was an out-of-body experience. Um, so I didn't feel, I felt like I lost control. Um, rapidly eating large amounts of food. So rapidly eating large amounts of food in a short amount of time. Eating even when you're full. Um, eating normally around others, but gorging when you're alone. Embarrassment over how much you're eating. Um, so embarrassment for me, that, that was always a explanation. Like if I was eating in front of people, but I was what I considered overeating, I would want to over explain to people, oh, I'm doing this because of, you know, it's this fill in the blank. So em there's embarrassment there. Um, eating continuously throughout the day with no planned meal times. So eating continuously throughout the day with no planned meal times and never feeling satisfied no matter how much you eat. And so if those symptoms or warning signs you see in yourself or a loved one, find a therapist or nutritionist who specializes in eating disorders. Doing that is a great first step. From there, your practitioner can help you set up with a team, uh, you with a team for key players. And successful treatment is individualized, you guys, to the needs of the person. And I share all that to go into now what I want to talk about is that the reality of why does this happen, right? This, this, why, and for me, I was like, it's so funny when I came to this realization of what was really going on, um, I had so much shame. I was like, of this, of all addictions, why didn't I have a cooler one? Like I had so much shame about not over the fact that I was addicted to a, a numbing behavior that I was escaping. I was trying to numb myself and, and escape my, my real issues sort of, and I was creating my own issues in order to escape my real ones. But I was embarrassed about the type of addiction that I had. Like I had so much shame about the fact that I, I was thought it was disgusting that the how I would binge, and so that shame perpetuated the silence, right? So why why does it happen in the first place? And for me, knowing and knowing 
having gone through the treatment that I've gone through, having worked with people as well. Um, in I, a lot of times I work with clients who are in therapy, but also want to coach at the same time. So I've worked with people on their, their journeys to freedom as well. And most often, you know, recognizing binge eating and emotional eating, you guys, it's, it's numbing yourself with food in some capacity, recognizing that, that separating yourself in, from judgment about that behavior and giving yourself permission to see this as a coping mechanism. So it serves a purpose to some capacity. And often that, over, that happens, what are we coping with, right? Overwhelm, desire to escape or numb, a need for self-care and recharge. And for me as a achiever, um, emotional eating is often very, very present in the lives of, of go-getters and perfectionists because we are always go, 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 go. And we don't schedule in enough time for ourselves to exist, to be, to thrive, to recharge, to have self-care and self-nourishment. And so there's a point where you just break. And, you, and, and that's oftentimes the cause of, a, of an emotional eating. I know a lot of moms who are exhausted throughout the day. You, and often you don't have time to eat throughout the day, right? And, and then because of that, that you eat, whether you intend to create restriction or it's unintentional restriction of food, um, when you start to eat sometimes and you're coming from a point of exhaustion and emotional sensitivity, then you're, the, the, it could easily set you up for an, for an eating, emotional eating um, I don't want to call it a binge if it's not a binge, but session, so to speak. You know, and and really, what this it's I want you I mentioned this red flag, right? And giving thanks for it. To me, the desire to emotional eat or binge eat or the behavior of itself is your inner voice yelling to be acknowledged. There's a little you inside of you saying, "Tell me I'm loved. Tell me I'm worthy." It's a desire for comfort. And depression and, and binge eating are often linked. Most binge either, eaters are either depressed or have been before, and others may have trouble with impulse control or managing and expressing their feelings. Associated with emotional eating and binge eating are low self-esteem, loneliness, body dissatisfaction. And, this, and the frustrating thing about this cycle is that the, those feelings then perpetuate even more desire to lean into comforting yourself with food. And for me, I, you know, I had to, part of my journey to freedom was finding, realizing that I was addicted to my coping mechanism. And when I was able to look at that, my behavior as an addiction, it gave me the courage to step up and stand up to it. I, the addiction to me felt like a bully and I was able to stand up to it. And I was able to allow myself to direct my anger differently. So uh, you heard me mention before how I had a lot of self-disappointment and self-dissatisfaction and um, self-hatred and I was angry at myself and I would I would say this is the last time I'm never doing this again I'm never emotionally eating again you know and I'm, I'm so focused I'm disciplined and I can do this and then I would break and then I'd overeat and then I'd be so disgusted with myself and then at that point you're like well, well you had two Oreos might as well have 12 right and then I'll just run more tomorrow and it, it the cycle would start and it would make me so angry at myself I was so disappointed. It was, you know, when your parents are mad at you, you're like, are you angry? They're like, no, I'm just disappointed. It was sort of like that, like this deep, deep, it was anger, but a deep disappointment. And so it still was coded with anger. And so I was able to change how I was directing that anger. I direct, redirected it from directing toward myself, towards directing it towards the addiction, towards the behavior and saying, I'm not my behavior. That is a coping mechanism that doesn't serve me any longer. I had, to, I had to, for me, learning to step away from emotional eating. Like, if you, you know, I promised, how do you stop emotional eating? I think one, one of the key ways to stop it is to recognize it as what it is and then decide, does it serve you? I, when I was able to say that my eating disorder and my emotional eating 
doesn't serve me any longer. I was able to step free. I was able to say no more. I was able to then say, I am enough. I am worthy of self-nourishment in other ways. I am worthy of listening to myself. I am worthy of spending money to get into therapy, to work through the issues that I'm running away from, right? That I'm numbing myself from. And so some questions that you can ask yourself is, what am I feeling? So when you feel a desire to eat emotionally or turn to food or this, um, for me, I would describe it, the feeling of anxiety and feeling of kind of this desire to get away from other people, but to numb yourself and nourish yourself at the same time. It's a weird feeling, but uh, it's sort of like this, you you want this big hug. And food often felt like this, giant internal hug to myself from the inside out right and so when I would get those feelings coming up some of the questions I would ask myself is what am I actually as I was really walking into a a place of freedom from this what am I feeling what am I really feeling am I feeling sad well okay no Mm, am I feeling anxious yes okay why right so I I would work through the basic emotions and then ask myself why and then give myself, I, to be honest, it's so funny now that I have a three, now that I have a three-year-old and I'm having these conversations when she's having a tantrum and trying to understand why are, why are you feeling this way? Well, what about today? Here's a great example. Ellie had a flu shot today. Well, Ellie, what about the flu shot made you so mad? Oh, because it hurt. But does it still hurt? And 30 minutes later while you're still crying? You know, like sometimes it doesn't make sense. But, but giving her permission to learn to articulate her feelings and her emotions is part of her growing into uh, growing in as a human being and emotional maturity. And I realized that as I was, as I've asked myself through this, this path to freedom with food, um, what am I feeling and why I didn't have that emotional maturity. Um, and so part of the process of freedom was learning to be okay with sitting with my feelings and learning to say, well, why is it that I feel so frustrated or, un- or disappointed? And well, is it okay to have that feeling? And what, right? So really give yourself permission to feel and ask yourself and be patient with yourself as if you're talking to a three-year-old who's just learning to express themselves. Because chances are, if you've been emotional eating for a, a, a portion of your life, you probably have numbed that part of your emotions and you've lost sort of like you've lost some of your linguistic abilities, right? Your, your connection with yourself on that. So it's going to be a, a path and journey of rediscovering. And that's what I work with a lot of my clients on, on journaling prompts and on conversations around how to start having those conversations to understand your feelings and your emotions better. Another question to ask yourself is how, how have I been kind to myself today? Right. And for me, I and, and with my clients, the more you intentionally invest in kindness throughout the day of self-care, prioritizing the way you would prioritize grocery shopping or doing the dishes or running an errand or showing up for work. Have you been kind to yourself? Because chances are, if you set up those behaviors, your thoughts will follow. We're working on changing our thoughts to be more kind towards ourselves and our behaviors. And then when you have an emotion, rather than run away from it, You've been kind to yourself. You see yourself in a different light. You see yourself as strong and capable and and courageous. And you're able to stand up and 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 feel that emotion and work through it and address it and then walk through it. Um, so so being kind to yourself mentally through your thoughts, but also through your behaviors and actions are is really significant and, and impactful. Um, another question I ask and I have my clients ask is what do I really need? And what kind of love am I craving? More often than not, we're craving love. Am I craving acknowledgement? Do I need affirmation? Am I craving just some some time to myself? Like, ask yourself, what do you need? 
And for me, I, this was a really interesting question because I didn't want to need anything, right? I don't, I don't need help. I don't need time. I'm a machine. I get things done, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's that, it's that perfectionistic lie that drives us into, <laughs> drives us into the ground of exhaustion. And the reality is that it's okay to have needs. That does not make you weaker. In fact, it makes you strong to admit the needs. So what do you need? And are you willing and open and, and ready, to, ready to say, I have needs? I need blank. And then another question to ask yourself, is there something I can do other than eat that would feel good or comforting? Maybe it's take a bath. Maybe it's take a hot shower. Maybe it's go for a walk, go for a run, dance, laugh. Is there something else? Hug, get a hug. Is there something else that would feel good or comforting other than food? And then another thing I think that's, again, gives, it, gives you freedom to say this is not about me being bad. Me engaging in emotional eating is not bad. But at what cost? Like at what cost is this? It's a decision. Does this serve me or not? And I think in part of that, it's, it's, it's saying to yourself, now I'm not beholden to this. I'm not a slave to this. I'm not an addict to this. But I have permission to comfort myself however I want. Give yourself that permission. This isn't something you have to do in secret. I give myself, we need comfort. We need, think about our need for a hug, for a human contact. It's, again, it's giving yourself the right to need and have comfort. But you have to ask yourself at what cost. And is food really going to be that comfort for you? Sometimes it will. And I think sometimes it's okay to have a piece of cake or a cookie if you are feeling a little down and you want a cookie. There's nothing, there's no, there's no food behavior that's necessarily wrong. I really want to encourage us to separate ourselves from labeling morality to food. Of that's good, that's bad, that's wrong, that's right. You have to ask yourself, at what cost and does this serve me? And does it actually comfort me? Does it feel better? Like one of the questions is that I would ask myself, is this food going to feel as good now as it will um, eating it now? Am I going to feel just as good and comforted 30 minutes from now? Because the reality is I would feel good for five minutes when I was emotionally eating, but 15 minutes later, not good, right? Not good. Stomach ache, self-hatred, that cycle. So there's a separating yourself from the behavior to say, does the, am I gonna, is this going to be an immediate comfort or a long-term comfort, right? And then will this feel good in my body and will I be happy about it? Now, one thing I, um, I, I did promise, right, is your next steps. So I have three next steps. I'm going to keep them simple because, um, well, I like to keep these, these podcasts to the length of might be good for your, a workout for you or a commute. And number one, step number one, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Number one, get in therapy. I believe everyone, I believe there's, I believe there's value for everyone at every point in their life to be in therapy. And I think it's a great maintenance, mental maintenance, mental wellness, the same way that you, you meet with a personal trainer on a consistent basis, or you, you have somebody that you check in with once a year about your goals. I really believe that the same way we need to, we take care of our physical health. We need to take care of our mental health get in therapy that shows great strength and here's the thing about therapy and therapists and 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 counselors i've learned not there's not one size fits all right and so if you i met with a couple counselors before i found the one for me and you guys i lied to them i was it was horrible experience i like didn't just felt uncomfortable and i'm so thankful i did not give up i'm so thankful i had people and influences in my life who said trish no if that's not the right person for you let's find somebody be patient in the process of finding a great therapist number two journal and work with a coach so i i really believe that goes in in conjunction with having already done therapy um 
Uh, there are a lot of resources out there. I would love to be a resource for you. You can find more out more about my coaching programs at trishblackwell.com forward slash confidence dash coaching. But journaling, you guys, one of the best books I've, I've, I've seen in the past few years, it's a book and I'll, I'll link this in the show notes. Get it on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks. It's theme. I have almost everybody in the College of Confidence working through this book. It's called Practicing You. It's a journal of self-discovery because the reality is that for, that often if we've been stuck in a, a cycle of disordered eating, we're typically we're typically not paying attention to ourselves, right? We're typically doing, 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 performing, 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 showing up for everybody but ourselves. And, and, and then what happens is we lose our sense of who we are and what we even want. So that journal or any journaling process of, of figuring out who you are and what you, what, you, what you need is a process and we have to be patient with it, but it's really exciting. Like this is an adventure. It's, it's like you get to date yourself. You get to figure out who you are by experimenting. And I give you full permission to have fun while you do this. That for me, and you, you, if you're a returning listener, you know that my tagline is, and I finish every podcast episode, be you, be free. Because for me, that, Figuring out who is Trish was the key to freedom, right? That I, I didn't have to keep being embarrassed of who I was and I could release myself from the shame and just get to be quirky Trish who, you know, sometimes forgets things and sometimes trips over her own feet and sometimes like just wants to work out really, really hard. And sometimes, I mean, it's just, I didn't I really sometimes just buys too many things in the same color. Like I have a lot of maroon, a lot of pink and a lot of like mint green and loves like I have an obsession with pearls right I used to be like just over the top or I'm too friendly or no I'm Trish and I like certain things and I don't like certain things and that is awesome and I got to I didn't have to keep apologizing for that I got the more I figured out that I just get to be the more I'm who God made me to be the more Trish that I am the more joy I will have and the more I will show up as fu- a fully alive version in this world. The more fully alive I am, the more the light of God's love is going to reflect through my life into the lives of others and be a beacon of encouragement. That gives me purpose. That gives me flow. That gives me fulfillment. That gives me a million times more than, than food ever gave me. But it started with journaling, figuring out who I am. And I, man, it's not easy. I want to tell you right now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it of like, just be you. Like, that's so great. Like, <laughs> take some work. Okay. And the third step, if you're really feeling stuck with food or with your body, and I'm really excited. I've, this is like, we're unveiling the veil here. Sign up for the donut diet. I have put my heart and soul and my gosh, 15, 20 years of experience with emotional eating and my, my work through it, my work with my clients and my just everything that I know to help you step through and find freedom from emotional eating. I have packaged into this program. It is called the donut diet. No, it is not a diet. It is a eating solution for freedom and it is available this month only October. So I hope that you say, yes, Trish, like I'm ready. I'm ready to figure out who I am. I'm ready to be free from the shame. I'm ready to, to, to get to eat a donut, to have my cake and eat it too, and not have guilt and shame that I'm just ready to be free. I'm ready to be free. I'm ready for change. And I'm ready for this to be sustainable and to have fun with it. And it is only available this month, October, 2018. If you're listening in the future, you guys, by the way, still go check out the website. Again, that website is www.thedonutdiet.com. Donut is spelled D-O-N-U-T. Um, and 
you can get on the wait list for the next time the program releases. And by the way, if you were thinking, I don't really like donuts, don't worry, the donut diet is still for you. It, the premise is, is just that you have permission, right? You've got permission to have a donut and eat it too, that you can eat donuts and still be your ideal body weight and find freedom from the yo-yo cycle of food. I actually don't really like donuts. I like coconut cake. So my donut, so to speak, is coconut cake or cookie dough. Let me be, let me be, let me be real. And pizza. Okay. So I love, there's a lot of food that I like. And that's the truth. Like it's a great thing to love food. And I really believe we can love food and find freedom in it and happiness and still be the best physical version of ourselves with moderation, right? And so the donut diet itself is an eating solution for emotional eaters. It's a revolutionary new approach to intuitive and mindful eating that will free you from the crazy cycle of a disordered relationship with food. It is not a diet, y'all, but rather it's a new way of interacting with food so that food can work better for you in your life. The donut diet is a simple solution for a happier relationship with food and a method for how to achieve it and maintain a healthy and balanced body. You know, it, it, I had I mentioned before I struggled with this concept of mindful and intuitive eating, and I didn't know how to get there. And the donut diet will walk you through that. It's the donut diet's for those who struggle with emotional eating, stress eating, overeating, or who have a disordered relationship with food. It's for anyone who feels like they have an unhealthy balance with what they eat, and who are just tired of trying to force their willpower and discipline in order to eat healthy and have the body they want. It's the solution for someone who can't quite make intuitive eating work for them and who are ready to be free and fun about food and about what they eat. You can start your fun and freeing donut diet today without delay at thedonutdiet.com. And if you have questions about whether it's right for you, shoot me an email. I'm here to celebrate you. And you guys, let's hop into our listener of the episode. And uh, But wait, I got to let you know, I'm freaking loving everyone who's reaching out on Facebook and Instagram, saying hello, screenshotting the, the podcast as you listen to it and sharing it to your story. I love adding those into my Instagram story timeline. And I just... The, the funny thing about a podcast is I, I love you all, but I don't get to know you as well as I want to. So I, I absolutely love those of you who are taking the time to reach out, to share your feedback, to tell me what what topics are resonating most with you and let me know how the podcast has influenced your life and helped you grow in confidence so that you can confidently and courageously pursue your calling. I want to know if this episode resonated with you. I want to know if you want more episodes on confidence around food. So please, please, please reach out. Let me know. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. And here's what I know. There are so many people out there. Maybe you just share to your time in their so- timeline because there are so many people who struggle with food but have shame around it. So they don't tell anyone. So do the loving thing and blast this baby out <laughs> so that someone else out there goes, oh my gosh, me too. Wait, there's, an, I can, there's, a, there's, there's some steps to freedom. There's hope for me. I believe we all have the right to live with hope and freedom. So our listener of the episode is Bridget Gaffigan, and she wrote me an email that said, when a cop stops you at walking as you're listening to the podcast because you're crying, dot, 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 hearts. I needed that podcast and wish that I could afford your coaching. I need you. Bridget, I hope that you'll I'll see you one day soon in the College of Confidence, maybe in 2019 since the doors are closed, but maybe the donut diet's for you for the time being. And hopefully one day we will be able to coach together. In the meantime, I hope to see you on Insta and hope to see you on Facebook. My Instagram, you guys, is 
at Trish underscore Blackwell. And my Facebook is Trish Blackwell Fitness. And y'all, um, Bridget, I freaking, I love that. <laughs> I think that, first off, way to go for that cop for just loving on you and saying, hey, are you are you good? And I just so appreciate you f- sending me the feedback that the podcast was so moving that it did, it inspired you to that capacity. And I love you. I send you love. And I have one little send off from my special podcast co-host, my three-year-old, Ellie. Ellie, can you say thanks for listening to the Confidence Podcast? Thanks for listening to the Confidence Podcast. Bye. And bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can get more confidence resources at trishblackwell.com. If you loved the show, let me know by writing a review on iTunes and by connecting with me on the gram at trish underscore blackwell. You can take your confidence to the next level for free by downloading my detox devotional. The detox devotional is five days of five minute devotions to inspire joy, infuse you with confidence, and help you own the truth that God loves you deeply. Now be more, be free, be you, and be here for next week's show. I'll see you then.